This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, the guys talk with Brianna Hodges about storytelling, educational coaching, and its impact on teaching and learning. There's an East Initiative update, all of that and more up next on EduTech Guys. You're listening to the EduTech Guys, edutechguys.com. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys. I'm David Henderson. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Hey, how's it going out there? I almost forgot it for a second. <laughs> you Didn't know for, who it was. I almost forgot who you were. <laughs> well, you know, I thought you were Sting, so I thought it was in the presence of greatness. I'm Stang. Stang. <laughs> <laughs> Put a K on it. I got a hard K on it. It's a silent K. Stang. It's a silent K on there. That's what it is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Oh, if you're still here, thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, you better be here. And you better go out to the web, www.edutechguys.com. Drop down to the bottom of the page. We've got a little form there you can fill out. Try to talk as fast as you can. Don't know why. But you can also go to Google, type our name in, edutechguys, E-D-U-T-E-C-H-G-U-Y-S. You're going to find us. We're out there at edutechguys on all social media. Please follow, like, retweet. Send us a dollar. <laughs> Watch my new album, you know. Yeah. It's called, in fact, that's the name of the album. Send us a dollar by Stank. <laughs> so oh I'll be out there God. doing the. Uh, we really do have a good show for you. We really do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Brianna's going, what in the world was what I thinking? Was this? Going with this guy's, <laughs> She's like, guys this, they, didn't, they weren't like this they when I was on. Completely different than this. They, <laughs> We've had a we've it's it's the Dr Pepper. I know that's what it is. That is it's the caffeine. That's what it is. No, really, we've got a great show in today. Uh, we're looking forward to you hearing it and uh, finding out what you feel about it, how you feel about it. Some really great stuff. Uh, she has some wonderful things to share for you. I think you're going to be real excited after hearing this one and knowing that you can probably hear her again in January before uh, her FETC appearance. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we we already know ahead of time that we're going to have her back. Yeah. So that's kind of awesome. So you get like a you get a double dose. So now we have to have her back because if we don't, you know, she's going to be mad at us and we're going to be mad at us and FETC is going to send their hit squad after us. 
You gotta watch out for the FETC hit <laughs> the FETC hit squad. That's the nicest group of people you ever met. In your life. <laughs> <laughs> truthfully, group, truthfully, they really are actually. <laughs> yeah, that's what's so funny about it. Hey, you know what? Let's get right to it. Um, and we hope you enjoy this interview, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the EduTech Guys. Yeah. We're really excited to have our next guest on the yes. show, and we're going to let her introduce herself and tell us who she is and what she does and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Hey, y'all. It's Brianna Hodges. I am a, the Future Ready um, Coaches Advisor and Spokesperson, and I am super excited to um, to really kind of just jump in with you guys today and talk about um, what coaching and story and strategy and students and voices and learners of all ages and stages, really what all of that means whenever we talk about it together and how to, how to kind of approach these things. Oh, yeah, awesome. Absolutely. So uh, let's, let's talk about coaching first of all, because uh, I think, well, I don't know. Part of me thinks maybe we should start with story because that kind of ties it all together. Really? <laughs> Well, now you're stealing my thing, right? I'm sorry. I think that's, that's, that's part of it is that when we talk about coaching, because that seems to be, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge topic for us. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a, in a small town in Texas. And what that basically means is that small towns in Texas, when you talk about coaching, you mean football coaching <laughs> yes. or athletic coaching. And, um, and, and, and I, I was a, I was a basketball coach, so I can definitely talk that talk, but, um, you know, what does that mean whenever we, when we use that word now, especially in education? And, um, I, I'm really grateful, honestly, for my experiences, um, on the court and, and on the field whenever I brought that into the classroom because um, I, I spent a lot of time talking about like, I played, um, I played my sport, but I didn't have to have played my sport in order to have been an expert at what that means. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be an expert in order to provide inspiration and passion. And so, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times when we talk about instructional coaching, one of the questions that I get asked across the country is, you know, I wasn't, um, I was an elementary teacher. And so how can I go into a high school classroom and, and talk with them about instruction? And, and I usually laugh when I say, well, Bella Carosi wasn't a female gymnast, but he sure as heck did uh, coach a lot of gold, gold medalists. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that what that means is that you know how we're we're not here in my mind as instructional coaches to to really get granular on the content. We're there to talk about pedagogy and strategy. And so what we do when we do that is we've got to get to the the heart of learning, which is story. So we've got to know the story that the teachers are bringing. We've got to know the story that the students are bringing, and we've got to really understand how strategy is going to connect all of that together. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's really exciting to, to, you know, um, to bring our minds around that. Um, I, I, I laugh because coaching is also one of those things that, um, you know, we kind of channel that princess bride where we say the word, but we don't really quite know what that means um, because people throw that word around a lot. And, and we say that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about coaching, but for some of us, um, we mean instructional coaching for sometimes we use that word um, and we mean, uh, you know, kind of a, a content specialist or content mastery person who's going to come in and look at uh, 
at testing and and different pieces. And so it's been complicated um, as somebody who, who works around the country um, on that topic to really help narrow in what we mean by that. Um, unfortunately, there's not a consistent title that's used when we talk about instructional coaching. And, um, and so that makes it really tricky, um, which then, you know, especially when we start looking at like instructional leadership and, and you start to be dependent upon all the people who are around you and what their experience with it has been in order to help form that, that role. So um, again, story becomes super, super important as we go through each one of those pieces. Well, and I think you, you touched on a very important, um, like, well, uh, several things in there, but a couple that I'm going to pull out. Um, the, the whole idea that um, there's not this you know, singular definition, not just, frankly, not just for coaching or instructional coaches or instructional facilitators or the 8 million other titles that exist in education where, you know, it's not the same thing between any two places. I think that's one of the things that can possibly uh, or potentially throw some people off. You know, um, I'm curious to know when, when people approach you or you approach districts that you're going to work with, you know, and they, then they want coaching, how much, how much time and effort goes into explaining exactly what you're going to do and frankly, what you're not there to do. So I think that's really interesting. And I love that your, your last part of uh, what are you going to do versus what are you not there to do? Um, because I think that that also, especially, you know, um, are you an ed tech coach? Are you, you know, what, what is that? What does that mean? Are you, um, you know, how do you help? And I, and I, I, I want to pause for a second and say that I do also, I appreciate the flexibility that comes with not um, narrowing a specific idea of like, okay, well, because I mean, that's, that's what we say that we're after in education is we're after individual individuality and, um, you know, having a lot of that autonomy that helps us be flexible, but at the same time, it's also what can be very difficult because, um, because again, we can get trapped into certain intent off of what other people's experiences have been. And right. so, um, you know, I think that for me, one of the, the biggest pieces, whenever I work with districts, whenever I, um, I'm working with coaches, when I'm working with teachers, whatever that case is, is, um, it's, it's really the, the very center elements of, of UBD of, of just like we would do whenever we're, um, designing our lessons or anything like that. It's, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And so if I come at it from a professional learning, um, standpoint and I'm working with a district, what is it? And I call them your heartbreak stories. This is what I used to use. I was a, I was a secondary English, um, I was a middle school English teacher. And so I uh, worked a lot through writing and, and through um, ethos, pathos and logos and all those different pieces. And whenever I would talk with my students, um, I always asked them not to focus on the things that they loved, but what were the things that broke their heart about mm -hmm. something? Because then that's where you have that's where you can identify opportunity to improve so much faster than if all you do is focus on the things that you really like, right? So whenever we are looking for professional learning opportunities or those gaps of where we want to um, increase and improve, we need to find what it is that breaks our heart. And so if we know what, um, you know, where, what those challenge points are, so that's going to look different for every campus. That's going to look different for every district. And um, it's interesting because, you know, I can go into a district that, where there's 25,000 students and maybe they have 18 different campuses, or I can go into a, a district where they have 
250 students and there's one school that's K through 12 and, you know, you have one teacher per grade and they're going to have different, um, different needs, Mm -hmm. but they're also going to be very similar in it. Right. And so, um, I, I think it's, that's, that's one of the things that we, we have to, to really find finitely define. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's one of the most difficult things as an instructional leader. I was, as a district administrator, I sat in all those cabinet meetings as well, where we would be, okay, what are we going to do next? Right. How are we going to make this happen? And, um, and it's really, it's, it's a bit overwhelming to look at all your scores, to look at your needs and, um, and to, to focus on those elements, knowing that they're going to change the very next year as new students come in, but also, um, you know, trying to figure out and, and predict where those, um, those strategy elements need to come in becomes really, really important. And honestly, it's something at the district level that we don't um, give enough give enough opportunity to really dig into. In my opinion, I think that we, um, we look at the outcome, but then we don't look at, at how can we really, you know, what, what do we need to put into it in order to change that outcome? So, um, it gets, it gets to be kind of interesting. Um, the, the last piece that I'll say on that, that is, is really important in my mind. And I I spend a lot of time talking with instructional leaders, whether it's principals and, and superintendents or, and um, instructional coaches is having that collaborative opportunity to have those discussions together. It's not a superintendent telling um, principals, Hey, I've budgeted for coaching and now you're going to have coaches like that, that, that it's gotta be more than that. And it's gotta be more than like the, you know, if, if all of a sudden a coach has been brought on board, then they're assigned to this campus. That can't be the only conversation because, um, when we're talking about instructional um, instructional strategies, we've got to make sure that our principals and our coaches are on the same page and talking the same languages, or we're not going to see improvement either. We're going to have a popularity contest, right. and that's not going to be um, effective. So, you know, really understanding that. So for me as a consultant, absolutely needing to understand what the needs are of that district, but even more so helping those, those principals and those district leaders understand how they're going to leverage their capacity. Um, they're, they're within their own is equally, if not more important than that. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I can't imagine how much time you, you have to spend kind of on the uh, on the front end or at the beginning of any time you're brought in just taking care of that side of things. Mm. Yes, you've budgeted the money, and thank you. And yes, you're going to have a coach, and thank you. But this is what it really means. It's not just, hey, this person who's now going to take on these roles and responsibilities. It's all of the other pieces and parts of everyone working together, like you said, to you know look at those outcomes and figure out, okay, what are we going to do? about the outcomes where we're struggling, but also I would imagine, how are we going to celebrate the outcomes that like exceeded our expectations? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same. And again, if you take that parallel over to athletic coaching, right? Like you don't hire coaches and then go, whatever you interpret as success is that, you know, I mean, you, you, you ever, there's, there's some commonality Mm -hmm. that come in some, some core understanding elements that are there. Everybody's going to take it on their own. Um, I I like to call that our flavor, right? Like we all know we're having ice cream, but we get to decide what flavor of ice cream we're going to have. Right. And so it's the same kind of thing when, when we, uh, when, 
especially through through instructional coaching, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into districts and we'll have one instructional coach who's maybe serving three different campuses mm. and their core responsibilities are different at each campus mm. because the principal is seeing them being used in a different way. And we're talking significant differences like filling in for classes as a substitute on one campus versus leading in a shoulder to shoulder, um, true peer coaching environment on, on a different campus. And, you know, that, that's where it starts to get really, um, difficult to promote that consistency. Um, I, I spend a lot of time talking about equity as well. And, uh, you know, if you look at that from an instructional equity point, Oh my gosh, that is just a nightmare of where, where is your, you know, as a curriculum person, I mean, my focus becomes having that continual, you know, that equitable environment for experience and learning. And that's not going to happen in those situations. So yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask a question. So for our listeners, so uh, for our listeners that are a classroom educator out there listening right now to this, this interview, um, and they want to know, okay, so what does that mean when you show up and what does that mean for me as uh, as the math teacher that's coming into, you know, you're going to be there for a day or two days or maybe a week. Um, what's it going to be like for me? What's What am I going to experience? What, I, what, what can I expect? So one of my favorite things when I'm working with the classroom and part of this comes from um, my background. So my background before I was in education was actually in politics and in public relations and marketing. And um and, and I, my, 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 um, my undergrad is in English literature. So I am a ridiculous story nerd and I will, <laughs> I will just go ahead and, and say that. That said, um, I was really, really fortunate and blessed to have amazing teachers, um, all through, all through my learning experience. And I'm still blessed by some amazing teachers. And while Math is not my most favorite thing in the whole wide world. I had some really amazing math teachers. Mm-hmm. And the what made them amazing was that they leveraged story to help us understand. Yeah. And so um, I say that because the thing that students, regardless of if they're pre-K or if they're graduate level students, what they love most about a learning environment is learning from somebody who is passionate about what they're doing. And, um, you know, I, I get super geeked up about Shakespeare and Edgar Allan Poe and all of those things. And I also had amazing teachers who felt the same way about calculus and felt the same way about anatomy and physiology. And they could, the, what, what made them amazing was their ability to relay context to, um, to story and so to real life, right? And so, and that's what story is and that's how our brain um, processes. And so when, um, when I work with teachers, that's really my favorite thing to do. It's not to talk about content, it's to talk about that pedagogy and that strategy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because teachers are masters of their content, that's what they're there for. They're amazing at, at their knowledge. And, and so where we start working as craftsmen is when we start um, figuring out how to best relay that information in a way that's going to, um, to, to connect and appeal, um, to, to different people. And, uh, I'll, I'll share, um, a quick story on that. My, my last year in the classroom, I did a year long, um, genius project, if you will, uh, with, with my students. And I had, um, guest speakers come in of all different 
walks of life to talk about all the different pieces that, uh, you know, we're just, just what were different kinds of, uh, of jobs out there and what were the ways that they, they, um, learned. And so one of my friends that I'd known for quite some time, a good family friend of mine, um, he was in research and development at Bell Helicopter. So he got to blow things up every day and, um, was a big hit with my, with my kids, as you can imagine. And so it was so funny because, uh, because he had never, I mean, crazy energy and he's a soccer coach for his kids and all this kind of stuff and has been around kids his entire you know adult life but um had never actually been in a classroom as a teacher and uh, so number one by the third period he was completely exhausted and felt like he needed a nap and, <laughs> about that. and then um at the end of the day it was so funny because he came in and um he said i have a question he said um does your family know and i was like does my family know what and he says just does your family know that you're schizophrenic? And I was like, wait, what? Time, time out, time out. Said, what do you mean? And he said, every single person who comes into this room, you every class period, you would change how you told a story or how you interacted with them based upon who they were. And you, um, you know, you communicated, you picked different words or you, you know, used a, a different story to tell them or whatever. And I was like, well, I mean, that's not schizophrenia. That's just <laughs> what people do. You match, you match based on that. And exactly. so, um, you know, I think that that's, I think that that's one of those things that we forget sometimes when we're teaching because we get stuck into that. This is the way that it's, this is the information and this is the way that we got to tell it. And so, um, so I think that that's, that's what you could probably expect from me is for me to, to push you on creating that story experience for kids, um, to, to really, and, and when I say kids, I mean, all ages and stages, sure, right? Whether sure. you're an adult, whether you have gray hair or no hair or, or whatever it looks like, you know, right. um, we, we all want to have that, that context. We want to know how this applies to us. And, um, and, and that's a, that's, that's, that's what I love to do is try to help you figure out how to do that. So I have to ask this question too. So what's harder, um, getting someone to become a, to be a storyteller or helping them figure out the stories they need to tell? You know, is that, is that's, that's a two sided one. <laughs> that is a two sided one. I would say probably what stories do you need to tell? Cause everyone is a step a storyteller. Mm-hmm. There is not a single person. It's how our brain works. It's how communication works. Every single one of us is a storyteller. We tell stories whenever we, um, are talking with our friends about what our favorite movie is or our favorite song or our favorite game that we play or any of that. Right. We, always are telling stories. Um, the, the trick is knowing how to match it to, um, to our situation mm-hmm. and, and, and how to share it in a way that people can then process. Because the other part of that is that even though we are all storytellers and we all have, there are only so many certain kinds of experiences that are out there. So all of us are going to find something that we can relate to. Um, it, it takes a little bit of craft to find uh, to that that connection point and know when you see it. Yeah, so. yeah. That's well, and that's one of the things, you know, uh, talking about um, knowing which types of stories to tell and, frankly, which ones not to tell. <laughs> I, I, my, my daughter, and, and, and I'll, I'll share my story, or one of mine, mm-hmm. uh, is my daughter is a, a senior in high school. She's taking um, college algebra concurrently. 
And in fact, in, and in, in her English class, she's writing a paper on math anxiety because she's got it big time. And one of the things that, that she discusses in there is when you've got a teacher who, uh, for all intents and purposes, um, is very dismissive about some of the content, you know, oh, well, you're not going to have to really know this anyway. You're not going to do that anyway. And she said it's very hard and frustrating because you know, she wants to learn it and she wants to understand. And so the things that she is having a hard time grasping, it's, it makes it even harder for her to even want to grasp it because you have the teacher up front going, well, you're not going to really need to know this anyway. So we're just going to kind of skip through this. Okay. Well, then it turns out, you know, next semester in the next class, guess what? I did need to know that. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. And, and I think that that's, you know, I, lo- I think you hit on something too on that of as teachers, you know, the, what's the, the question that you get asked every single day in a classroom? It's going to be one or two. Um, why do I need to know this? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to be on the test? Right. <laughs> right. Those are those two right. questions. And they're actually the same question, basically, right? Because mm-hmm. usually if it's the why do I need to know this, then the response becomes, well, because it's on the test. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, we have to start to think about that. And I remember my first year teaching, I had um, I was teaching eighth grade and I had the the quintessential snarky eighth grade boy, right, that raised his hand and said, why do I need to know this? And he wasn't being rude about it in any form or fashion. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was a snarky eighth grade boy, but what did he mean by that question? Mm -hmm. He needed to know why. And if I had said, because it's on the test, does that tell him why he needs to learn it? No, No. that just tells him if he cares about getting a good grade on the test, then, then that's that, but that shouldn't be his reason. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I challenge teachers and, and all of it. I mean, again, from a, from a district administration um, perspective, too, we have to have a why for what it is that we're asking. And it, it can't just be for a grade or to check off a list. And, um, and, and, the, re- and the, the reflex of that as well, we can't just throw a whole bunch of stuff out there and then go, well, you won't need to know any of that. And, mm-hmm. and because then again, what does it do? It waters down and it dilutes the reason for it. Well, right. if none of it's important, then why the heck are we even doing it? Right. right? Exactly. exactly. So I have a question. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, your top three or top five elements to a good story um, that every teacher should should have. You know, what, what are your top three or top five elements to, you know, because when I think about telling you, I, I was a band director for a long time. So, you know, I, mm-hmm. everything tied to a story, you know, you know how we coaches do. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We have mm-hmm. to tie it to mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time, 90 percent, it was funny. Cause that's, that always works with kids. It, it's memorable. They remember it, but there are other times you want to put a little empathy in it. You want to put something else. You're going to tie into it. So having, you know, ex- answered the question for you, what are your, <laughs> what are your top three to five, you know, key elements to a good story? Well, you have to have interest, right? And so that interest um, comes in, and this is actually, I mean, it's, you, it's, it's brain science, right? So your, your interest point comes from, um, it's your brain is good. Okay. I'm going to totally geek out right now, just by the way. So your brain is going to release cortisol based mm-hmm. off of interest. So you're going to have some anxiety, whether it's because you're super interested in it and it might be like something that's really funny, but you're interested in it and it's going to increase a cortisol release or it's something that's kind of scary and you're not quite sure what's going on, but it's piqued your interest, which is going to pop that out there. So there's got to be that interest point in there. You can't save it for the end. You've got to have that in there. Um, Developing a bit of mystery is always a good way to do that. But um, the writing teacher in me will tell you, don't start your story every single 
the same way every time, right? Mm -hmm. Like I used to tell my kids, I'll snap the pencil in front of you if I ever see you start it with a question, right? So, um, but, but, uh, or at least a question answer, you know, do you know what stars are? Well, let me tell you, like yeah. we never started that, that way. <laughs> but, um, so, but building, building that interest is definitely important. Um, having a, uh, having some creativity is, is, is important in there to engage that, uh, that, that knowledge, you know, you've got, you have to have some flair in there. You can't just make it flat. Um, so there's gotta be that interest point that comes in, um, creating that, that opportunity for, um, for, to have some humor in there is always good because you're going to get that dopamine rush. That's super, super important. So I'm um, having that, that and, and that's where we identify with people, right? So the cortisol is going to give us that, that awareness and that, um, a bit of that heightened anxiety and then that dopamine, that's going to give us some of that little, Oh, okay. There's some hope there. There's release. There's, there's emotion that's going to come through. And when those two combine together, then it makes it memorable, right? Which once it's memorable and you have a little bit of that relief that comes through it, then you're going to get that release of, of oxytocin, which is going to give factor. That's where that empathy comes in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and once you see that, then, you know, it's, so maybe it's, if you're a math teacher, it's talking about that time when you thought you had, you know, you've always gotten the top grades. And then for some reason, you just, you, you felt crushed, you, it went away and you didn't understand something. And so then how did you come back from that or, you know, creating that opportunity for, um, for a shared experience with someone, um, is created in that. And then that's where, when that trifecta has come together and you've had all three of those chemicals, then that's where we get neural coupling, which is where your brain actually experiences the same, um, pathways that the storyteller is has experienced. And so you get to have that shared experience. That's why we cry whenever we hear um, certain, you know, if the ASPCA commercial comes on, right. you, know, you immediately know like you're, what's going to happen. And, and, um, and, and we feel that, that shared experience. And, um, and, and so I think it's, it's combining that it's knowing you got to have, you got to hook them somehow. You got to make it interesting for them, make them giggle or laugh a little bit or, yeah. or either at, at that, at, at, content or at themselves on it and mm. then um, show them that you've been in their shoes and that you're you're okay and you've persevered and, and now you're all the better for it. Awesome. That, that is great. Well, I hate to be the time uh, bandit here, but uh, <laughs> keep us on to can, can you believe it's been 25 minutes? Yeah, it just awesome. flies by, doesn't it? Yeah, it just flies. Yeah. I don't, you, you guys, you, I tell you what. You're very good at this. No, you kept us very <laughs> So um, if our if our listeners want to reach out and pick your brain or steal your ideas, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? You can find me online at briannahodges.com or on any form of social media at bhodgesedu. And please reach out, share your stories with me. I would absolutely love to um, to hear what, what you're doing and um, see how I could help. Well, and we look forward to talking to you again before FETC. So. Yes. So Absolutely. everybody, make sure you put that on your calendar. FETC. Exactly. So that's a, that's a big one. Uh, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Hi there, I'm April Jackson, and this is your East Update. This week, we hear about how sibling rivalry inspired one East at Roberts Elementary School student to join the program. Hi, my name is Nikhil. Um, I wanted, I really wanted to join East, well, not for only this one reason, but one really big reason was because 
of my brother because he was in East. And pretty much the times that I went to East, like when I was pretty young, um, I always saw him working with cool technology. I mean, maybe not the exact same technology as what we have now, like not VR and all of that cool yeah. stuff. But when I saw him working on all the cool computers and all of that, I really wanted to, like, I really thought that, wow, I really want to do the same thing. So, and I guess I really wanted to beat him. <laughs> I wanted to, you wanted be to beat him? You wanted to be better than him? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be better at, than him. But it, I, I really found out that it's like a really cool program where like you can be yourself. Like if you really love technology and you can't, you don't really necessarily like your parents don't really allow you to get like such really um, big technology and like that. Then East is like a place where you can do something good at the same time and you can play with like really cool technology. If you're interested in hearing more about East students and how they are growing and learning about technology, visit our website at eastinitiative.org or follow us on social media at The East Initiative. I am April Jackson, and this has been your East Update. Hey, thank you so much to April Jackson and the folks at the East Initiative for uh, sharing that story about uh, the, the effects and the consequences of sibling rivalry. Yeah, on getting people to, you know, getting other students into East. Yeah, I mean, that. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm very curious. Go out to edutechguys.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and leave us a message or, or hit us up on Twitter and share your story about sibling rivalry. Like, like something that you, something that, that you, you know, and your sibling kind of got it into about or, or, you know, started that you wanted to one up your sibling. That's, that's what we want to hear. That's it. I'm going to build a rocket engine and I'm going to show you. Shoot me like a rocket in space. (laughs) Loving every minute of it, dude. Loving every minute. <laughs> Loving every minute of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. Speaking of, I hope you loved every minute of our uh, conversation with Brianna. Yeah. And I hope you love our new format where we drink a lot of caffeine and get really crazy on the microphone. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun. Crazy on the mic. C- crazy on the mic. <laughs> it's become that. We are like the voice, but no, not the voice at all. Anyway. So, uh, hey, it's been a great show. I've had a good time. I've had a good time. Don't forget to visit us on the web, www.edutechguys.com. Don't forget to hit us up on social media, at edutechguys. Tweet, retweet, like, love, send us texts and DMs about how wonderful that you think we should probably keep trying to do this better. (laughs) (laughs) And a dollar. That was a mouthful. And a dollar. And don't forget to pick up my new album, you know, from Stang. Here we go. (laughs) Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Oh, oh, I'm David Henderson. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. 
But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all. all. But, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.